This is the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. Supporting, inspiring and promoting women in business. Hi and welcome everybody to the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. I'm Frida Shaffey and this episode we'll be chatting with the award-winning founder of Chocolate PR and number one best-selling author of Celebrating You with PR and podcast host of PR Powerhouse, Joe Swan. I'm very excited to talk to you, Joe, and I'm so excited to hear more about you, what you do, and uh, more about you in Yorkshire, actually, as well. So that should be interesting. <laughs> so, Joe, tell me more about yourself. Let's start with uh, Chocolate PR Turns 20. Oh, my God, I know. Can you believe it? I mean, that just sounds insane to say, doesn't it? 20 years. What an achievement, Joe! Congratulations. I mean, it's insane. Obviously, the business has changed a lot in that time. But to think that, you know, when I started out in my 20s, um, all that time ago, and that I've managed to make it work one way or another, you know, with twists and turns along the way. But 20 years later, actually more in love with the business than I ever was um, and really, really feel connected to what I'm doing. So it feels it really feels like it has been, you know, I hate that word journey, but it does feel like it's been a journey to get here and to now actually be doing it in a way that really feels right. So I'm I'm super excited for this year and all the celebrating that we'll do. <laughs> well, that's incredible to traverse that rocky terrain of self-employment is uh, hard enough in itself, but uh, your staying power is commendable. So tell me a little bit more about uh, how you started. I know that there was more of a corporate slant to what you did. And why did you make that switch, if, I, uh, if I've understood this correctly, from corporate to more, um, I don't know what the opposite of corporate is, really? entrepreneurial now yeah we work with more entrepreneurs and individuals in business rather than the big 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 businesses that we used to work with but yeah so I guess when I went when I went into my own business um 20 years ago um I just followed suit from what I knew so I jumped from an agency so I worked within a PR agency and the businesses that I was working with there were very corporate. So you just kind of do what you know, don't you, at the time? Because it was a big enough leap in the first place to go off and do it by myself and to sort of put two fingers up at the culture that I wasn't particularly in love with anymore um, and think, actually, I want to do this in a different way. And that was all I was thinking about. I was thinking about the change of environment, not necessarily the change of of, of clients or type of work that I wanted to do. So I, I followed suit and, and just went after more of the kind of clients that I'd previously worked with and did that for like, you know, over 10 years, 10, 15 years of staying in that sort of world. And I did maneuver it more into the kind of clients that I wanted to work with. So when I launched Chocolate PR, I launched as Chocolate PR. I didn't launch as Joe Swan. Like I launched as Chocolate PR because I wanted to create this brand from the beginning and I wanted to also, like in a way, be very conscious about who I attracted as clients. So we did get more creative clients than I had been working with in the other agency, just because I think of it was quite a playful brand. Um, God, I was looking at the logo the other day of what we launched with, and it was like this little caricature of me in like little seventies flares and like this like crazy little bob haircut thing. Um, and it was looking back, you're like, oh my life, but you know, back then that was kind of quite, that was quite creative and quite different. And so it did make us stand out. So we did actually attract clients that were interested in being a bit more creative, but they were still corporate. 
And then over the years, we've kind of pushed it a little bit more and kind of gone, oh, we want clients that are a little bit more adventurous or, you know, certain types of clients. So we went into retail and we did quite a lot of launches um, for like events and hospitality type stuff. So it got a little bit more playful kind of as the years went on. But we did ultimately find ourselves working with really, really big organizations. So people like Whistles and Yo Sushi and um, Skipton Building Society and people like that. And whilst it was brilliant to have budget to play with and it was really fun, I felt really restricted because of all the red tape. Like, you know what it's like when you work with big corporates. Like there was just so much to to get through to actually do the things that needed doing. And that got me really frustrated. And it actually came at a point where I'd had um, I'd had my first baby and I, I was feeling very overwhelmed, like with the whole situation of like, oh my God, I was working, you know, a lot. I really pile a lot into my work. So I was very, still going hundred miles an hour whilst having about four hours sleep. And you know, things take its toll, don't they? And I kind of thought, you know what? I don't think I'm doing the right thing here. Like I actually don't think that I'm putting my energy into the right place. Um, and I realized that I wanted to use PR in a different way. And I actually wanted to, to help a different type of person with my skills and connect a bit more to why I liked PR in the first place. So I actually wanted to be a journalist originally. And the PR side that I like is the storytelling side. It's the celebrating people side. It's the, you know, it's the really giving people that platform to, to showcase and to, to tell the world about what they do and what they care about. And as we got higher and higher up working with bigger and bigger corporates, you get less of that. Um, and it just started to all feel a little bit wrong and disconnected. So I started to go locally networking, actually. And it was when I started to put myself back into an environment of women um, who had started businesses that I became inspired again and I became super motivated again to really use my skills in a different way. And I was invited to speak at this networking event and I'll never forget it. Like I literally was in a room of women who looked at me as if I was an alien like going to them to talk about how they could celebrate their businesses in the media, how they could be in the press. And they saw themselves as little kitchen table businesses, you know, just sort of playing at business. I'd, I'd kind of been in the corporate world, now I want to do this. And they were playing far too small. I think that, I mean, there is a term actually that's assigned to that. I don't know who came up with that term, cottage industries, Yeah, where it, it just um, evokes an image of a cottage. And, you know, uh, working away from a little table, very rustic. Um, and like I said, whoever came up with that name um, has a lot to answer for, actually. <laughs> but that's, um, I mean, I've, I've done it to myself. I've even labelled some of the uh, more creative things I've been doing in the background during lockdown, which I'm pretty sure many people started, you know, quite a few little enterprises at home. Um, and again, I, I would use that little phrase of cottage industries to describe what I was doing, but actually... It wasn't. And like you said, and what you're saying right now, entrepreneurial is a term that is assigned to people with an enterprising idea that can be, and it's in its most basic form, it's making one pound into two, <laughs> the basis of all business. So um, it, we, I think we should dispel that term, cottage and small and uh, micro. No, it's not helpful, is it? No, because immediately places a glass ceiling. Um, it takes me to one of my next questions for you, Jo, um, and you're talking about women now, which is very interesting. I, I really wanted to engage with you on that subject. Have you found any common themes coming through from 
individual women, groups of women that you're working with, um, and that could be anything from um, barriers, uh, glass ceilings, uh, anything that you have found that is like a common thread that you encounter again and again when you're working with women there's a couple of things um so that example there where I was saying I went and spoke at this event and I was trying to tell them you are actually really PRable like the media need stories about humans they need pe- they need people stories and you have got it on a plate like they love this kind of transformation story of corporate into entrepreneur and they looked at me as if I was mad and that's because there's that real issue of self-belief. So that's a massive, massive theme. Imposter syndrome is a huge, huge theme that we see time and time again, because I think the kind of women that I work with are people who've been super successful in the corporate world and they had a real identity there. And then they come out of that space and then you're starting from scratch. And actually you don't know what you're doing half the time. And there's a million different hats that you have to wear. And so you start to feel really out of your comfort zone and in a place that you're not used to as a successful woman. And so when it comes to actually standing up to celebrate them and what they are doing, they don't think that they're successful enough or they don't think that they deserve to be celebrated or when they're in corporate they understood what PR was for but as as an individual no I can't get in the media so the mindset piece is a huge thing that we overcome as the first piece of work that we do with clients and that's something that is particularly for women a thread that comes through all the time like oh no I'm not ready I agree I agree I've only ever heard that term in female environments, it's very rare, if ever, I've heard a man talk about imposter syndrome. Um, there's a lot to do with the perceptions and, I suppose, uh, presuppositions of a woman's role. So that's still very prevalent, sadly, uh, when it comes to women in the workplace. And um, I'm very much about smashing glass ceilings all the time. Um, so it, it's interesting that imposter syndrome, I am struck by imposter syndrome on a daily basis so I definitely resonate with that so I'm I'm glad you say that it is a common theme and uh, are you are you doing anything any particular exercises to banish the syndrome are you do you have have you developed a program or anything that is very targeted where women would you know work on themselves I'd be interested definitely in doing that (laughs) Well, what we what we did was this this came from my own development actually. So when I moved from working for the big corporates, and then I decided to come into this entrepreneur entrepreneurial space, I did a lot of it in person at first because that felt where my comfort zone was. I built the business very much in person, in you know, over the past however many years. And then when I had to take it online, because that's where a lot of opportunities are to grow this side of the business, I was freaking terrified. (laughs) Like that was out of my comfort zone. And I really struggled with with the visibility from an online perspective of doing things like this, of being on camera with and having all your nice brand pictures done. Like it just wasn't me. I was always the one that wanted to push everyone else to do it. And to come to the forefront has been really tough. And so I actually worked with a coach on my imposter syndrome and um, self-belief and, you know, really did an intensive program with her trying to work through all of that. And it comes back to your mission. So it comes back to you've got to believe in what you're trying to do more than the fear of being visible. And it just that being really drilled into me of like, well, why have you given away all this corporate work with, you know, a lot of money? 
to, to, to work with a different audience, which is much harder, <laughs> much harder to make like the same level of money out of. And I was like, because it matters, because this these are the people who actually need my help, because this is what I actually want to do. And she was like, right then, well, are you going to do that if you sit at home and and you just look at other people and think that they're better than you? Are you going to achieve that if you don't? She's quite a tough talking coach. She was like, are you going to achieve that if you don't um, stand up for yourself and tell people how, you know, all your experience and, and, and be this leader that people need you to be? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And all of a sudden, I was like, you are right. Like, I've got to go for this. And so a lot of it is just getting people to commit and, and really connect to that mission and then find a way to showcase and celebrate it. So we've created a program called Dare to be Seen, which basically came from my work with that coach, understanding that I needed to dare to be seen and then taking people through the process um, and when you can mirror back to them, this is what I found when Andrew was mirroring back to me, but you've done this, but you've got this experience, but this is what you've achieved, but this is what you've done. And look at this. I was like, there's not really any arguing with that. You're right. Like I am a credible expert, but we don't see ourselves like that through our own eyes. So we have to have other people to get us to see ourselves in that way. And that's what the program does. It, it literally reflects back to you how amazing you are to then empower you to go out there in the world with that message. I agree. And it's a lot about how we talk to ourselves as well. We have a fat voice in our head and the loudest voice in our head often is very self-deprecating, um, telling telling ourselves off and possibly, you know, um, relating to um, issues that we, you know, have encountered, barriers, boundaries, being told that we're not good enough or we can't do. And they're very subtle messages that come through, you know, from being very young. And I'm not necessarily saying somebody's actually told us we can't do it. It's just very subtle um, societal kind of pressure sometimes where you're almost um, led to believe that, you know, we are kind of, uh, we have a boundary and a, and a, framework and just being institutionalized as well when you're working in a nine to five situation in an office with specific boundaries and parameters you do become institutionalized breaking out of that is uh, is behavioral and i think dare to be seen sounds very very exciting um and uh, moves me on nicely to the next question actually with regards to being seen now, how do you feel about social media and the definitive line in terms of separating real and the online world? That's a big one, isn't it? I know, that, that's a very loaded question, isn't it? No, it's, no, the reason why it's a big one is because I feel like it's a big, it's a big part of the story of what I've overcome. So like I was saying, I was very, I'm a people person and I like being in real life with people and I like getting my energy across in that way. I did find it really hard initially to do do the same online and to be the person that I really am online. So I've got a funny relationship with the online space, but now I've embraced it and I've got an amazing community of like-minded people that I get to hang out with and spend time with and work with online and I love it. Um, but I did kind of have to be drag kicking and screaming to to be able to be myself online because it just feels like a, quite a pressurized environment where you've got to show up as perfection and you know and I'm not that person and I'm not that kind of corporate person and I'm not that polished person or I'm not the person that's great at 
taking selfies of themselves and posing like I'm just not that person. So I just didn't feel like I fit in at first. Um, and it's just taken a lot of time to kind of be brave and to just relax into it a bit more, I guess. For me, it is a conduit to my audience. So online is actually my arena. And I totally agree. Salt and sugar look the same on Instagram. So you can choreograph an image to be whatever you want to be. You can choreograph, uh, you can choreograph yourself to be whatever you want to be. I think there is strength in that. I also think there is weakness. Being the age I am, I am I'm a, a lot older. So thankfully, I came to the world of social media a lot older, and I think that matters as well. It depends on, um, I suppose, your compass and your, you know, what, how balanced you are as an individual. But I think there are a lot of strengths in um, certain things. And I know about what you're saying about the selfies, but some people have built multi-billion. We won't mention any names, but <laughs> the queen of the selfies in um, in the United States have built a multi-billion pound business on, on that. And, you know, we can't discredit it too much <laughs> because obviously there's uh, a certain appeal there, but uh, it's interesting and it is uh, a very huge uh, minefield, mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> so, um so I think that's something that um, it's it's the next generation we have to get used to. Yeah. You know, and I was literally thrown into that as you are as well, because uh, a lot of your reach is online and TikTok at the moment is something that I really do not understand very well. Oh, yeah, that's one that is just not on my radar. <laughs> not but, gone there. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed in your line of work, there are lots of brands looking specifically for people who have a huge TikTok following, which is interesting because, uh, um, and then even the, um, the the documentary with Mark Zuckerberg was very interesting because there's 3 billion people subscribed to social media. That is a third of the world's population. <laughs> Over a third of the world's population right now is on social media. And we're not talking about individuals, talking about brands and companies. So, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? The media are using it a lot more as well, actually. So we have found that um, the importance of online media has definitely risen and the media like to do their research online, obviously, now these days. And so actually, sometimes if someone's put a social post out and it's a strong social post and it's got some traction or it's managed to get itself in the right places, that can turn into PR coverage because the journalists will find that post and then that's actually a route to, you know, to them getting more traditional media coverage. So it's also interwoven, isn't it? Like it's also in tears. Yeah. And that can work in two ways. One of my biggest posts was over 15 million views. Wow. And this is going back about five years when that was unheard of, but it probably wasn't the right thing. I was in a kitchen mixing raw chicken and it wasn't necessarily the 15 million views I wanted <laughs> <laughs> if for some reason that went viral for the wrong reasons. Oh, so yes, there is that slippery slope of what the media can pick up on. So it's uh, it's interesting to be so visible, but at the same time managing, mm. um, managing how you choreograph your image because there's always going to be something that's picked up for the wrong reasons, as it was for me. You know, I was targeted by vegans, vegetarians. I was working with raw chicken. So, you know, that's, that's just how it was. But... On the other, on the flip side, it got me about ten thousand new followers. 
<laughs> yep, it did a job in one way. <laughs> Controversy sometimes pays, but uh, there we go. I want to move on to your book now, Joe, and tell tell me more about it. Obviously, you have a best-selling book already, and uh, create celebrating you. Tell me more about that. Celebrating you with PR. So, right, this book is also part of my imposter syndrome journey. So, I signed up to write this book probably about four years ago and three years later I actually published it so it was one of those of like I put it off and put it off I knew I wanted to write a book I knew I had things to share I knew I had expertise that would help people um, and particularly the kinds of people that I wanted to help the ones that didn't really know what PR was and they didn't believe it was for them but I struggled writing the book because I, I couldn't see myself as this expert and I didn't know what else I had to bring to the party I didn't really know how else I was how I was going to make my stamp you know um and so I wrote a few versions of the book and hated them ripped them to shreds and abandoned them and was like oh my god I can't do it no so I just literally just chucked away and then it was it was when I really started to connect a bit more with well what am I like as a person like what you know what are the characteristics what are the things what are the things that people like about me and I started to tune into more of that and it just all became so clear um and I'd written a presentation around celebrating you and about the power of you know being a cheerleader and champion and getting behind women to help them to be more visible and I was like, that's it. That's what that's the ride we're going to go with. And then I wrote a lot of the book, actually, on my way to LA, on the way to a retreat once. Um, so I'm on the plane, like some of my favorite chapters are the chapters that I wrote on the plane because they just, it just came out so easily. Um, so yeah, it's been real sort of a real emotional connection to this book because it feels like I've actually now managed to go out as me and kind of really, I suppose, celebrate myself in it in a way as well as actually finding a way to help other people celebrate themselves. And that's what I wanted to bring to PR, something a bit more light and a bit playful because it can all feel a bit heavy, can't it, being in business? And especially the visibility fears, the imposter syndrome, all of that feels a lot. So it's a really playful way to get particularly women to think about how can I how can I just love myself a little bit more? How can I appreciate what I'm bringing to the world a little bit more? And how can I understand what I'm bringing to the party? And it's got a whole party theme. So like there's there's all sorts of stuff. We talk about I could do in the book. We talk about... Remember that well, <laughs> showing our age. <laughs> so there's all sorts of fun bits in there. <laughs> but again, that resonates with me so much, Joe. Obviously, I've written a book as well. I found it cathartic and I highly recommend it. Not everybody has to go out and write a book, but certainly write down thoughts and feelings. It's a brilliant way of self-reflection. It's almost like holding a mirror up. And like you, I've had very similar experiences where chapters flowed. And I think because it's a resolve in your head where you're resolving things almost, and um, it's a very natural way to express a sense of... Uh, resolution and coming to terms with a lot that you may not have been able to had you not been able to articulate it as words on paper so it's interesting how uh, how powerful the written word can be in helping you to define and uh, overcome it's a form of therapy and I personally would recommend if there are scenarios that you're struggling to deal with write them down and confront them um, and a very good friend of mine who actually is um, does guided meditation 
uh, said something interesting to me and it was write a negative situation down on a piece of paper and burn it right okay get rid of it so it can yeah. <laughs> uh, it can work both ways it can bring richness but it can also be about uh, getting rid of uh, you know negative negative yes so uh, it's really interesting what you're saying and I'm pretty sure it resonates with the uh, so many people in your um this is the thing we're not alone in this are we we're not alone in these thoughts or how we beat each other up or how we treat ourselves <laughs> and you and you know you're triggering me in the right ways because uh you know it makes other people when you talk about it and you bring it out into an arena it makes things okay because we feel as if we are actually normal and we're not on our own you're absolutely right Joe, and i think that's something we need to do more of is actually huddle together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what uh, the Yorkshire Businesswoman Network is all about. It's about huddling together as a group of women because we are business women, irrespective of level of accolade, achievement, starting at the end of your career. We are all on that same trajectory. Yeah. And so much so much warmth in that isn't there and so much support in that and so much encouragement and you just feel like all right no I can do this like I've got this because you know you're not alone so yeah it's amazing for that I think it's an energy as well that's in a room in a room full of people with uh, uh, almost like a similar uh, a vibration if you like and I know it sounds it sounds a little bit you know kind of off the scale when you're talking about vibrations and energies, but uh, something that would probably, and you're doing it, Joe, tap more into those energies and uh, to almost uh, bring us more together and connect us more on our our journeys and uh, our beliefs. I'm going to go on and talk to you more about Yorkshire now. Okay. As a Yorkshire lass myself, and I know you relocated from London, am I correct in believing that some of your clients were London-based and you decided to focus more on Yorkshire? So yeah, I have worked with a lot of London-based clients. I've always lived here. I've grown up here, but location-wise, we had quite a lot of London clients. I did have an office in London at one point, um, but the majority of the business has been grown in Yorkshire and then it's gone online, so now it's global. But yeah, I'm still very much based here. Fantastic. So... <laughs> These questions pertain to your Yorkshire roots. <laughs> okay. So what's your first Yorkshire memory? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, that is a hard one. Do you know, I think for me, it's about it's just about being in the in the great outdoors. So, you know, we've always grown up. Um, we lived in Otley. So, you know, we grew up in Otley. So we've always been in around countryside. So it's just been, it's the playfulness that I remember of like being young in Yorkshire, just being able to run around and just play in the fields. And like, it sounds really hippie, but it's just, it's that outdoorsness where you realize that actually not everyone has that, you know, not everyone has, has that as a, as a child. Some kids don't even know what sheep are, you know, we've had people come up I'm like, what are these? <laughs> I know. I was just about to say, I I grew up in Shipley, and Ship Shipley in is try it's it's um, the word Shipley comes from two words actually sheep on the lee. Oh really? Okay. It it, it was very uh, countryside, lots of hills, and beautiful. And I have the same exact same memories of just running in the wild outdoors in the seventies, 
and 80s. So that was our playground, really. And we were allowed out a lot more, weren't we? There was a lot more freedom. So like we did run around like as kids. I wouldn't let my kids do that now. Sadly, no. I think um, it's a it's a very different set of circumstances. But uh, yes. Um, and another lovely, wholesome Yorkshire question. Um, there's quite a lot here, actually. So <laughs> I'll pick the ones that I think will definitely resonate with you. Um, famous Yorkshire person, past or present, who would who would you like to have dinner with? A famous Yorkshire person, past or present, could be a ghost of somebody that's gone, but we should had a you know had a chat with them before. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go really close to home, and this is this is possible. So this is just a call out to say hi, Stephanie. <laughs> I would love to have dinner with Stephanie Hurst um, because, again, I've seen her at loads of events. We actually worked together years and years and years ago on a project at Galaxy. Um, and we've done events together. We've, like, been at events together. We've collaborated on things. But to just have a proper good old knees up, like, just a, a bit of a, a silly night with Stephanie would be amazing. Um, I just think that would be loads of fun. So, yes, that's who came to mind, like, instantly. So, Go with your gut. <laughs> Fabulous. And I'm sure that is possible. Uh, for me, it's more of a ghost of Yorkshire past, actually, but uh, right. we won't go there, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Australia for 10 years, and I always dreamt, and I know it's a fictional character, but still, I would still love to meet this fictional character, Kathy from uh, Wuthering Heights. I would oh. love to sit at a table and share a bowl of stew with her and chat about how she... Uh, she rewrote the paradigm for uh, Yorkshire women, actually. So Yeah, yeah, that would be <laughs> a conversation indeed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Joe, a lot of people are very, very much under the radar and like it that way. I know people who are very camera shy, who are very PR shy, who you will not change that mindset if you don't want to be out there. You really don't. A lot of the most successful uh, CEOs I know are very, very much under the radar. You'll never see or hear of them anywhere. Is they're they're like a whisper. Yet, PR is vital. How would you go about working with somebody who has that particular mindset? I think it's about helping them understand that PR is available to them, and that they're not a million miles away from being ready. So I think a lot of people just don't feel ready, either because they don't understand PR and so it feels like an alien thing, or because they don't feel like they are in a place where they could do PR and, you know, it's for other people. So one of the things that we've developed, we've got a little free quiz, which basically just asks the question of, am I PRable? And it just takes you through. It's only a handful of questions. It literally takes a couple of minutes. Um, and you just answer these questions and it just it shows you actually how far along the journey you are. And I think you'll be quite surprised that actually, because if you've got a mission and you've got a purpose, that's like a tick. You know, if you actually have found a way to present that mission and communicate it in a way, that's a tick. It's all things that the media are looking for. So you might be more ready than you think. Um, so it's just a nice little exercise to have a go at. And, and it gives you some tips and advice based on where you're at. It gives you some resources and things that you can do. So yeah, if people are interested and they think, hmm, okay, well, I wasn't really up for it, but maybe I'll have a little nosy or maybe, I, maybe I'll see if this could be for me. <laughs> then that's just a nice little way to have a little play, really. That's very interesting. And uh, something that you just said really struck a chord with me when you said it gives and identifies 
um, and that actually just brings to the fore what the media are looking for. I mean, I'm all about smashing paradigms and redressing narratives. Do you think there is room in the media for powerful voices when it comes to challenge what the media are looking for and almost reshape the media? You know, my God, right, this is a mission of mine at the moment. So this is something that really like hits home because first of all, there's, you're going to get me on my soapbox now. <laughs> first of all, there's still, whenever there's any sort of budget discussions or there's anything that's kind of serious media, um, you look at all the people who are experts and who are the people that I come to, you know, as the people who are quoting and, and sharing their views and it's all men right? It's usually all suited men who are from a certain background. We we won't use the word patriarchy, hey? <laughs> okay, no, we won't say that. <laughs> so that's a real, that is a real problem still, that actually even women are not being represented enough in the media. You then take that into other levels and you think about how represented are people that are from the LGBTQ plus community, people that are non-binary, you know, how represented are they in the media? And the majority of that is not positive and that is not okay. Um, so we are also trying to do work to give those people more more, more of a voice to, to, to promote the positives of their worlds um, and just change that landscape just a little bit at a time. Um, and from a business perspective, again, you know, like I said, when I started working with the big corporates, they were the big voices, the loud voices. And now we're really trying to find ways to get our clients alongside these big business people on a level, quoted on a level. So we had an amazing opportunity um, recently where one of our clients was featured in a piece in The Independent alongside one of her like dream mentors, this kind of global guy from America. She was in the same article as him, like as a peer. And she was like, oh my God, this has literally made my year because she was being elevated in a space that she really respected. And usually she wouldn't have been given that voice because it's always you know, these trusted voices that we hear time and time again. So you have to be proactive at breaking these boundaries. Like nothing's going to change if we don't get braver to be a part of those conversations because otherwise the conversations are just going to keep happening the same, 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 same. So we're trying to actually pick certain media to work with to open up more avenues for online entrepreneurs, for women, for people from marginalized communities to to proactively have a space in their media to have voices so it's that's something that I am very passionate about that yes there's, there's still change that needs to happen there I absolutely agree uh Joe. it's very much about redefining the narrative and um I'm on the soapbox in terms of uh control of the narrative and certain you know media channels do exert that control and, uh, you know, it's biased media, I guess, but I'm all about uh, kind of redefining and representation when it comes to, I mean, there's millions of whammies, one being a woman, two being a brown woman, three being a short brown woman, <laughs> just constantly shape-shifting. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting uh, minefield, isn't it? And I think you have to be on high alert at all times. It's a really really interesting subject you have to be a part of it don't you to do something about it so you can't just sit back and complain about it like it's got you've got to be a part of that conversation definitely so. definitely you have to um be brave enough i think to stand up and uh not necessarily back down and that's one of the things that uh, i find uh, is uh 
having a voice and having a platform, you won't always be everybody's friend and just being prepared for the rebuttal. Um, I know I've faced a bit of a rebuttal for some controversy and speaking up, especially when it comes to representation, just being prepared uh, and even, you know, working with people. I don't know if you come across people that are not necessarily fully equipped to manage that backlash because that in itself is very, very important, especially if you are in the public eye. And you say, well, again, when it comes to um, definitions of what is right and what is wrong, uh, there are so many fluid boundaries nowadays. It's not easy to uh, define, um, you know, the right and the wrong of any situation. So we find ourselves in hot water sometimes because of, uh, you know, a variety of reasons, whether it's PC or whether it's um, just speaking out for what you believe in. More and more people are doing it, and I think it's brilliant, Joe. I really do. I think the work that you're doing is incredible. And uh, hats off to you. I definitely need a conversation with you after this call. Well, we've just got to stick, we've got to stick together to make a bit more noise, haven't we? I think that's where I'm at. It's just that. It's just that we've got to just collectively try and make a bit of a difference. I think yeah. so. And I think um, joining hands, and like I said, when women come together and cheer each other over that start line, and even if we're not in the same room as each other, we scream each other's names in a room full of opportunities. Absolutely. We've all got different levels of expertise. So, Joe, to wrap this up, I know where I can find you and uh, I certainly will be hunting you down after this podcast is done. So tell me, how can we can how can the listeners of this uh, podcast get in touch with you? Because I'm sure you will have many a listener wanting to uh, engage with your brilliant, brilliant insights into the PR world. Well, let's see. So you can come and follow me on Insta. I'm at Joe Chalk PR over there. And what we do on Insta is we share quite a lot of our client successes. So you will see where people are being featured in the media. You'll get a little bit behind the scenes stuff about our world. So that's always quite nice to help you kind of get a little flavor for it. We have a free PR group called PR You Can Do It. So in there, we've actually just run three days of free training. Um, so you can come and you can just watch that and you can get a feel for, okay, like, oh, I didn't realize that. Or I didn't know that's how that worked. Or, oh, interesting. Is it, but it's not as hard as I thought. Or that's the process. So there's lots of information and training in there um, and just free advice. And then obviously we also have a podcast. So um, PR Powerhouse is my podcast. Um, and the first 10 episodes of that podcast were, were done very purposefully to literally take someone from being an absolute novice to understanding what's needed to get in the press. So if you start from the beginning um, and take yourself through that process, there's actually a lot there that would really build you up to make you feel like, okay, maybe I can do this. And I've had loads of people constantly come back to me and thank me for just that mindset shift of like going, all right, okay, now I get it. <laughs> so that's a good place definitely to, to go explore. Absolutely brilliant. So it's been an incredible opportunity getting to know you more and talking to you about what you do. It's been a real, real pleasure. Thank you so much for your insights and your snippets. And uh, everybody, we know how to reach Joe now. And uh, all I can say is um, see you again very, very soon. Thank you so much. It's been gorgeous to talk to you. Take care. Take care, Joe. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. This is the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. Supporting, inspiring and promoting women in business.
Well, that was an absolutely wonderful session with Joe Swan. And so many things jumped out at me during that session, but three things in particular I came away with having spoken to Joe and her PR journey. She's all about banishing that imposter syndrome that we're all struck with regularly, I'm sure. And just having a positive mindset, believing in yourself, meaningfully engaging with yourself and actually believing whatever you can put your mind to, you really can achieve it. And remember, PR is for everyone. Everybody is PRable, irrespective of where you are in your career, whether you are at the start, in the middle, redefining, reinventing, or at the end of your career, everybody has a place to be in that PR world. So that's it for now. And I look forward to seeing you all again. Thanks for listening. This is the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. To join the Yorkshire Businesswoman Network and find out more, visit our website, yorkshirebusinesswoman.co.uk or find us on Instagram or LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by This Is Distorted.